Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Bunch of Beauties presented by Pucker Up Sports. I am Sam Prevo, and as always, I am joined by Jennifer Molia. And my contribution to the intro is instead of addressing the listeners as friends, I think we should call them our bunch of besties. <gasps> I love that. I love it. Love it came that. to me yesterday. I was in the car. Um, I was typing out the name of the podcast for something. And instead of typing beauties, I typed in besties. And it just came to me. So if you're listening to this right now, you are a bunch of bestie. And you don't have a choice in that. I'm so sorry. But you are one now. Good morning. It's morning. It's okay. but <laughs> I don't know if it's morning when you're listening. This could be good afternoon. But good evening. Good good day. And, and I am uh, Ariel Melendez. Perfect. Let's Thank go. you for joining me in this. In this, I guess it's, well, I mean, it's early for us because it's 1030 in the morning. But for, for normal people, it's not that early. But it's okay. The coffee's good. Yeah. Okay. So I think we have to address uh, the fact that the Montreal Canadiens uh, made the Stanley Cup finals last night. Oh. Yeah, that's a thing. That's a thing that happened. Um. Yeah. I am happy for Carrie Price. Yeah. I have I have my little list of people that I'm happy for. Yeah. Uh, and it goes like this. Carrie Price, Eric Stahl, Joel Edmondson, and Josh Anderson. Yeah. Oh, and Cole Caulfield. That's it. That's my five. That's valid. Five out of that team. If they win, I'll be very happy for them. Um, but I we have to I felt like we have to bring it up. There now we have half the Stanley Cup finals. Um, I know that I mean I don't know about y'all, but I'm not really watching that much. No. no, no, not really. Um, no. I'm gonna watch Game Seven tonight of the Lightning and the Islanders. Yeah, I was thinking. I'm like, mm, I'm like, I'm probably gonna watch it. Everyone's been saying like how fun that series has been between the Lightning and the Islanders. It has been. Like, and I saw people calling Game Six the other night. They were like, "That was an instant classic." I was like, "Damn, I was asleep. Like, don't really know what to tell you." <laughs> um, which maybe like I shouldn't be saying that because this is a hockey podcast. Listen, but you're allowed to have. You don't have to watch all the hockey to do a hockey podcast. I just don't have a lot of interest at this point. Like the teams that are in it, like, like, like Montreal. Like you said, we have like five players that like we'd be happy for, and then the rest, it's like. I I think <laughs> I think both the NHL and the NBA are quaking right now at their possible finals. Yeah. Because you have a possible Montreal Islanders final, which I guess New York is like a big is the biggest TV market, but they're not the biggest team in the biggest TV market. No. And then and then you have on the NBA side, this is a quick diversion, but Hawks Suns is a potential final, which like who cares? So yeah. <laughs> it's rough for the professional sports leagues right now. But I mean, I'm happy. I mean, the Montreal fans were going wild last night. I don't know if you guys saw any of like the footage of I did uh, the a arena. little bit, yeah. So they have, like, a square thing. I mean, like, I, I mean, the Leafs do it. A lot of teams do it where you can, like, go to the arena and, like, while they're home and watch outside if you didn't get a ticket. And, oh, like, yeah, they... like Maple Leaf Square. Okay, yeah. Yeah, like, like Maple Leaf Square. Yeah, they had something Got like it. that outside Bell Center. I don't know if you guys have ever been to Bell Center, but the, it's, like, there's stuff around it, but not really. There's a lot of space to, like, okay. be outside of it. It's not like MSG where it's plop in the middle mm-hmm. of the city. Mm-hmm. Um, So... Where was I going with that? But yeah, it was so crazy. And they actually had to put the arena on lockdown after the oh game ended because it was goodness. too dangerous to go outside. Wow. Yeah, I heard a little bit about what was going on. Quebec is yeah. going crazy. Meanwhile, in Ontario, you like can't go to the mall. Yeah, that's a little 
strange. Two different types of Canada right there. Yeah, I saw I saw a tweet and it was just from like a fan. It wasn't from like an official source and I don't remember like offhand who it was. But they were like, oh my god, like people are getting tear gassed outside Bell Center. And I was like, oh my god. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, didn't, yes, I, I don't know about it. that, I about, but I do no, know. No, I heard about that. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. I know it was like rowdy out there. Maybe they were trying to do crowd control to get the fans yeah. inside outside. Uh, but that's crazy. I mean, go off, go off, Montreal. You, I mean, we can like hate on Montreal fans and say they're like obnoxious or whatever, but you can't say they're not dedicated to their team. Yeah, and yeah. I mean they haven't seen like the success in like however long. So like understood. And they're, like, the winningest team in hockey, so it is, I mean, 28 years is a dry spell for them. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure because the way they're doing the, like, Western Conference, like, Eastern Conference Yeah, they got the Western Conference trophy. I think I saw they've now won every trophy, like, (laughs) the NHL or something. And it's, like, when you see a team like Montreal win the what the Clarence Campbell Bowl? Yeah, like, the Clarence like, Campbell again? Trophy. Because they, so it, <laughs> this is this is my entire info from my mom. But this used so they named the trophies that because it used to be the Campbell Conference and the Prince of uh, Wales Conference. Yeah, so then they just made it yeah, east west and changed the um changed the trophy names to the Campbell Trophy and the Prince of Wales Trophy. Yeah, that that I sort of remember. Vaguely. That's a stat that they have all the trophies. That's I'm, I saw that. I don't know if it was one hundred percent confirmed, but. That, I that mean, I would, would, I would buy that it, feels, that they've won that every trophy right. ever. I would buy yeah, that, it. That feels right for Montreal. does feel right. Um, but yeah, I mean, winning game seven, back to the Islanders side of it, mm. winning game seven in Tampa is going to be extremely difficult. Um, I mean, it's not impossible. Anything's possible, uh, as we've seen in the, in these playoffs. But uh, if I was a betting woman... <laughs> I would bet on uh, on the Lightning, especially with their performance last time in uh, yeah. in Tampa. They absolutely destroyed the Islanders on home ice. Yeah, I feel so. like they're definitely a team who has like the clutch gene, like when yeah. they need to get it done. Like, well, not always. Um, we won't talk about that. But I feel like in most situations, like if they need to get something done, like they kind of get it done. So I I agree with you that if I if I was indeed a betting woman, I would be betting on the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I mean, like, just from obviously Sam and I are Rangers fans, so we don't necessarily want to see the Islanders win. <laughs> but just from like a sports fan, like storytelling perspective, it has been like a good story for the Islanders. Like they've gone this far, like the fans and the Coliseum, how it's the last time at the Coliseum for the fifth time, um, because <laughs> every time they say it's the last season at the Coliseum, it's yeah. I as a Rangers fan and and just it just seeing all the the love fest for the for NASA Coliseums just make makes me like nauseous. I don't get the hype. Like maybe it's just because we're not Islander fans, but every time I've gone there, I've been like. I hate it here. Like, well, I, don't... <laughs> I also just think about how when the playoffs were at Barclays, it was dead in there. Yeah. Like, if you're that mm-hmm. dedicated to your team, like, if I don't care where the Rangers are playing their playoff game, like, if I can go, I'm going. Like, if they're not, yeah. play- let's say, whatever, yeah. for whatever reason, they couldn't play at MSG and they were playing somewhere upstate or on Long Island or whatever, I'm getting there. Yeah. I'm yeah. not going to sit there and be like, I don't like Barclays Center. I have to take an extra train. <laughs> like, 
I don't know. Like, I feel like some <laughs> Islanders fans are very – it's, like, like I say, like, Montreal fans, like, you know that they stuck there through, like, the thick and the thin mm-hmm. of it. Like, I just mm-hmm. don't know how many of those Islanders fans really did that. And that's, like – you can be, like, a Fairweather fan or whatever, like, root for your sport the way you root for your sport. But, like, it just it's – it's a little icky to me. Yeah. Yeah, I saw something on Twitter about that. Like, somebody saying one of my friends became, like, an Islander fan this year. And, like, I'm happy for her, but, like – really like it got good this quickly and like yeah yeah Um, I don't know I I, I'm all for like bandwagoning a team when they're good and then falling in love with them and then sticking with them after that but it's like I don't know a lot of these Islanders fans I'm like were you there like a few years ago when it was really bad when they were awful awful. like were you there I don't know so I don't know it just makes me feel icky also the beer thing I wasn't a fan of oh yeah we should talk about that yeah if, if you guys didn't see it um you could probably look it up. I mean, it's been talked about a lot, but allegedly it's an old, it's a soccer thing, but soccer's outdoors on a giant field. This is indoors in a 200 foot rink. Um, when the Islanders won, the Islanders fans in New York started throwing beer cans at them. Beer, beer cans, water bottles, full water bottles, okay? They weren't empty. Oh. Throwing shit at the Islanders. Not at Tampa, at the Islanders. <laughs> apparently it's a soccer thing when your team wins you throw shit at them i don't know that that is i don't really I not, get that i did not get a first-hand account of that i was told that like through the grapevine through through other yeah. people but i i mean when your team when your player who scored the game-winning goal bavillier had to stand underneath an awning because he was afraid of getting pelted with cans like I, I think it was Clutterbuck or Sezikis, one of their fourth line guys, got hit in the head with one before he realized what was going on. Like, oh not cool, not cool. Yeah, I don't oh, really yeah. get that. As like, e- even if the whole thing about it being a soccer thing is like legit, like I don't even get it from that perspective. That perspective either. Like, I mean, yeah, it's obviously a bigger field, so there's an easier chance to avoid it all. But like in general, like when did throwing stuff like on the ice, like or just in general become like a thing that's like oh we're so excited we won we're gonna throw beer cans on the ice and yeah I think there I was a shoe that ended up on the ice i don't yeah i don't get yeah. it i don't get it at all i mean like there's always been like throwing things traditions right like yeah. uh the rats in florida, in florida. And, the, yeah. and the octopi in uh detroit and the catfish in mm-hmm. uh yeah, nashville but those are all soft things those are all and yeah. like they know like they relatively and they know it's know. coming exactly yeah. they know it's coming mm-hmm. yeah i that i think that's the thing about this is that it was pretty unexpected like obviously for people watching or people who saw it afterwards and like i'm just the thing that's like making my brain hurt a little bit is i'm trying to think about what the thought process was for the people that were there like did a bunch of guys just look at each other and go like Hey, you want to you want to <laughs> throw your beer on the ice I think that'd be pretty cool and like granted I wasn't there and I don't really care enough to be like that's stupid but like I don't know it just feels strange I mean like you hear about we we Sam just mentioned like when throwing things is like a fun fan thing but then I feel like you also have the situations where like We've seen with Montreal or Toronto, I feel like, like the throwing of the jersey on the ice when you're mad. Um, So I feel like if I was like an Islanders player, I'd be like, 
are they mad? Are they happy? Like, I feel like I, I, I would know <laughs> yeah, how to take con- it. Like, <laughs> that's a confusing message. Yeah. It is, yeah. yeah. Well, I saw a tweet that was like, if they did that when they won, imagine what would have happened if they lost. Yeah. And I'm yeah, like, that's oh, is yeah. true. Um, yeah, I'm scared. Personally. I was trying to get an update on Nikita Kucherov because they're like morning. They're doing their morning skate right about now. Right. Yeah. I haven't seen like an official official tweet about it, but the the he wasn't at morning skate apparently, and the speculation is that he has broken ribs. Oh. Um, I don't know if that's true, so please do not quote me on that. Um, I'm sure by the time uh this gets out, like we get the podcast out, there will be confirmation of what's going on with him, but. From everything I'm seeing, it looks like he's unlikely. Wait, yeah, well, yeah. I don't know. See, I'm seeing that he's out with broken ribs, but they're not from, like, confirmed. Like, That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's not official sources, yeah. but, like, I'm seeing a few tweets that say he's out with broken ribs. I don't believe yeah. he's I don't believe he's at Morning Skate. That's confirmed that he's not at Morning yeah, Skate. Yeah, yeah, because one of the Tampa writers did say that. Yeah, so I, what? whether it's broken ribs or not, I don't know, but... And then people are making jokes that he'll be out until the playoffs next year again. But, um, yeah, so we'll see what's going on with him. Um, not 100% confirmed, but I he is th- – the one thing that's confirmed is he's not at Morning Skate. Um, yeah. I mean, he's been great for the for the Lightning so far, but Braden Point's been their MVP, like, without a doubt. For sure, um, yeah, he's been so I, I, I if he – if the Lightning make it to the final, I think it's a two-man race between him and Carey Price for the Cod Smythe. Yeah. Um, but obviously they'll miss Kucherov in the lineup. They always, I mean, he's one of the best players in the world. They're going to miss him yeah. in the lineup uh-huh. if he's not there. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. Um, Is there anything you want to say about Vegas or not really? Um. So from what I, I mean- know, I mean... <laughs> I so I my dad and I were talking about it last night and he was saying that they were saying on the radio uh the satellite radio and everything that DeBoer might already be on the hot seat oh yeah I've seen a lot of weird like comments about Vegas being like unsuccessful I'm like yeah uh... apparently their their owner is uh like the 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 one who's like pressing really hard like I want a cup right now um And I mean, I guess when you have that for, to that finals like birth in the first year, mm-hmm. you have that taste of like we can win this right now, and we're competitive. Let's do it. Um, but I thought firing Gallant was a mistake. Now you're gonna fire DeBoer already. I don't know. That seems a little like. Uh, what do you yeah. answer? Leave it alone. It feels like it feels like that would just be one of those like emotionally charged decisions, like after a bad loss, like when you're overreaction. Like- yeah, pretty yeah, much. yeah. Like, ah, we lost, and I'm mad. Fire them all, and like, obviously, that's not gonna work. Yeah. Um, I just mention it because I feel like, who do- I think Pete Blackburn does like the um, like obituary isn't the word. Like when the I know, yeah, though, yeah, I know what you he mean. does. Like what went wrong with them, and so I was like, huh, what went wrong? And part of me was like. I don't really care. Vegas is out. And I so I think well, obviously the stone line got completely shut down. Yeah, their um, stars like disappeared in that series. Yeah, I well, I wonder so how much of it is on so I know. wonder how much of it was on Vegas and how much of it was Montreal just lit like their Montreal's penalty kill, they've allowed like three power play goals the entire playoffs. Yeah. 
their penalty kill is absurd. And Vegas kind of lived on that for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Tampa lives on it. So that'd be really interesting with if they make the playoffs, if they make the finals, that yeah. that dynamic with the penalty kill mm-hmm. and the lightning, like living or dying by their by, by their power play. But um, back to Vegas, I think that was a part of the problem. I mean, you can't say that Flurry and Leonard weren't great in net. Yeah. Um, mm. I think it was just that breakdown of your stars completely didn't show up. I mean, they did it to the Maple Leafs. Yeah. So maybe it's just a destiny thing. Maybe Montreal was just destined <laughs> to to win. I mean, they didn't even have a head coach because uh, okay. Ducharme is has uh, the Rona. So I mean, I don't know. I I don't I don't know if you can pinpoint one thing that went wrong with Vegas or they just got shut completely shut down. It was just divine intervention. Just... The hockey gods are just pulling up up there pulling the strings. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. I felt like like last night when everything was going down, I was like, oh, I wonder what we're really gonna say about Vegas tomorrow. And then I was like, mm, is there really much to say about Vegas? <laughs> they're really good, <laughs> and they're gonna yeah. they're gonna and be really good they're... again. And it's it's almost frustrating because I mean we we've called them like the annoying four year old team and I feel like I don't really know anyone that's a Golden Knights fan which is like weird I don't know if you guys do but like imagine you're a fan of a team for like four or five years and they're already this good like I would not know what to do with myself in game like, what was what was last night game six in game yes. five in Vegas. Because they they started they started out really slow, and yeah. their fans booed them off the ice. I'm like, you're <laughs> booing your team off the ice for a slow start in the Stanley Cup semifinals. What's gonna happen when they like when this runs over and they have to rebuild the team and they go down the drain? Like, yeah. where's everybody gonna go? I don't know. I'm I'm intrigued because like they do have a very passionate fan base already, but I'm intrigued to see what happens when things aren't going well. For sure, mm-hmm. yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting, interesting off season to watch. Yeah, I think they'll they'll still be good. I I, I wonder if that stuff about DeBoer though has any like actual um like substance to it. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Elliot Friedman just tweeted that John Cooper said he's not sure if Nikita Kucherov will play tonight. So nothing about the broken ribs, but just that mm-hmm. he's not sure if he'll play tonight. Okay, well. We shall see. Uh, yeah, so th- I think that covers the semifinals slash finals. Um, yeah. The other huge news uh, is that the Kraken finally have a head coach. They yeah. announced yesterday that um, yes. Dave Haxtall will be the coach. This kind of came out of nowhere until like what? right before the announcement. Yeah, yeah what a um, All the signs were kind of pointing <laughs> towards Rick Tockett. And uh, then all of a sudden, Pierre Lebrun and Elliot Friedman were like, I'm hearing that Dave Hextall was a dark horse candidate. And then, lo and behold, he's he's the head coach. Um, so we have someone in, in this call that has experience watching Dave Hextall be a head coach because she's a Flyers fan. Um, so we'll talk about that first. We'll work backwards up till, till now because he was head coach of the Flyers, then assistant coach for the Leafs, and then now so ariel please enlighten us what can the kraken expect Uh, well kind of going to him being named head coach uh to begin with was definitely like not anything as you said anybody nobody expected this 
because his name was like never thrown out, um, which may be purposeful by Seattle. I don't know. They seem to be very savvy in everything they do, except for this move, because this is a, a very questionable move. Unless Axtell kind of learned from his mistakes and a, a lot of what he did with Philadelphia, it was a big problem that people had was he was very reliant on like the older guys. And I don't mean the guys like Drew Voracek, like guys like that. Cause like, no, like no shit. Like you're going to rely on your stars. It was the guys like, and these names are like blasts from the past. Like, Chris Vandevelde, Boyd Gordon, like those guys. Mm. He had a big, heavy reliance on those guys and liked to either scratch or bench or anything to a lot of the younger guys. I want to say it was Oscar Lindblom. He scratched a game and, like, didn't tell him why. Oh. And he, like, wouldn't let guys see, like, like, I think, like, Konechny, Ghost, guys like that would get their ice time limited if they made, like, one mistake. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he just had a very big reliance on, on the older guys who, like, shouldn't be playing as much time as they should have. I think that was the really big thing. I know systematically his, like, game plan wasn't very good either, but I don't remember exactly. I saw somebody say something and I tried to remember it like yesterday and I don't remember what it was. Like his game plan exactly like the way. I think he was a, reliant on a lot of point opportunities is mm-hmm. what I believe it was. But I know the biggest thing with him was the young guy veteran like thing. And obviously it's been a while since he's been the head coach. Like he was fired in 2018. And I mean the Flyers made the playoffs two out of the three years that he was the coach and it was like 96 points and 98 points so it's like he wasn't the worst like coach you could have had but he like he wasn't good we'll go with (laughs) so they lost him they were fifth in the metropolitan in his first season which was 2015-16 so i'm guessing they made it as the wild card team um lost in the first round uh finished sixth the next season so obviously they missed the playoffs had a really good 2017-18. They finished third and then lost in the first round again. And then he started off um, 12-15-4. and four, And they were like, nah, goodbye. Um, so, but, but I think that was a really big problem for, for him. And I, obviously he kind of moved on to an assistant role after that. So I don't know if he's kind of learned from all of that. Now he was coming from college. Um, right. Like he, he was the first head coach to go directly from NCAA to NHL since like, um, I'm looking at it right now, since 1982. Um, So it's been a really long time. And obviously things are different when you go from the collegiate level to the NHL. But everyone, when this news came out, everyone was just like, yeah, okay, Kraken. Like you were doing so well. Like what happened? Yeah. (laughs) Like why did you make this decision? Yeah, I know the reaction was universally like, what? Um, yeah. And it's interesting you say that about NCAA because I feel like after he did that, a lot of other coaches started coming out of the NCAA. Because, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. like, David Quinn did it and uh, Montgomery and uh, Dallas did it. He jumped from NCAA to NHL coaching. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's interesting. But uh, yeah, so you mentioned that he, he was assistant coaching with the Leafs. I mm-hmm. like you like I said I like you said I don't know like how much effect he had on like veteran versus young guy ice time. I think that was more Shelton Keefe's decision. Uh yeah. but he was in charge of the defense and the penalty kill 
And I was looking at the Leafs penalty killing percentage through the years. So in 1819, which is before he got there, they were penalty killing pretty close to the league average at around 79.9%. And the league average was like 80.2%. And when he, when he came to the team, it was about the same uh, 77.7 versus league average of 79. uh, And then 78 versus league average of 80. So he pretty much kept it par for the course. And Mm. yes, he was in charge of the defense as well. And the, the Leafs defense did get better. It had a, a, um, a noticeable improvement, especially this past year. But I wonder how much of that was on him, really, or the introduction of TJ Brody to the defense um, and guys like Sandin and breaking out and, like, adding guys like Bogosian and all that. So I don't know how much of that was, like, on him or just, like, personnel changes, like, actually on the roster. Um, so it is uh, – it will be interesting to see how it plays out uh, – when you mentioned the point shots thing um, for his system, uh, I know Ron Francis likes to build a team like defense first kind of in his mind. So maybe that's why he went with Hackstall. If Hackstall has uh, experience working specifically as an assistant with defense and his system's mm-hmm. more defense driving the offense. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that was the system. Like, don't yeah. quote me on that, but I'm like 90%, I'll go 90% sure that's what I saw. Yeah, I mean, it would track if, like I said, if, if Ron Francis is really going to go, like, and based on who's available in the expansion draft, if he's really going to build the team uh, with a defense-first me- mentality, maybe Hackstall was the right call if Hackstall is going to focus on making sure the defense is the priority and that they dr- mm-hmm. they help drive the offense, um, especially if the Kraken do end up adding someone like Dougie Hamilton let's say from the hurricanes i mean he'll help drive the offense so it it, sure. it may might be a perfect match maybe ron francis is playing like 40 chess while we're playing checkers <laughs> um, <laughs> but i i think the the hire like we like we've been saying was kind of out of nowhere i wanted to talk about this tweet from frank saravalli um that listed who was who the kraken coaching candidates were up until now uh at varying points, it included Dave Haxtall, Joe Sacco, Rick Tockett, Kevin Deneen, Tony Granato, Rocky Thompson, and David Quinn. It's a list. It's a list. No, yeah, that is. That, that are sure, names and sure. those are people. Those are names. I mean, Rick Tockett, like we, we've been saying, was pretty much the front runner. Uh, De- yeah. Deneen's been around a lot of coaching staffs, I think mostly as, as an assistant. So I think he's trying to make the jump to head coach. Don't yeah. quote me on that. Uh, Granado is Tony Granado is the head coach at Wisconsin, I believe. Yeah, and, I know he's a collegiate coach. Yeah, he's the head coach of Wisconsin, I believe. Um, and he's obviously very good. Wisconsin's a very, very good hockey team. And David Quinn is the recently fired coach of the Rangers. So those are the names that jumped out at me. Um, yeah, I, I wonder where David Quinn's coming from with that because he I was gonna say that was the one that like shocked me that I was like oh I find it interesting that his name was floated around too as the like a candidate for Columbus because JD really liked him so Columbus Mm -hmm. and Seattle both had interest in him and he got Jack Adams votes when (laughs) by all accounts like the Rangers like collective like fans and media were not a fan of him and yet, yeah. yet yeah, the old hockey that seem to know something we don't. I mean, isn't that the case for, like, any head coaching position? You always see the same names 
floated yeah. around pretty much. But okay. I'm I'm kind of curious to know what happened with Rick Tockett, just because it it seemed like he was yeah. gonna be the guy. Like, what he had like three interviews, so I'm wondering if it came down to like contract. Mm-hmm. Like, because I think at that point, like you're probably discussing money, like. Mm-hmm. So seeing what works so. for you so i'm wondering if something like fell like through the cracks or something in terms of money and they're like oh crap we gotta pivot hard somewhere and then it's like oh dave haxtell like here you go <laughs> imagine like the panic like shit this didn't go through okay okay we'll, we'll call we'll call dave we'll call dave it'll be fine <laughs> i yeah i wonder what happened there i mean we'll probably never know or maybe yeah like, you'll, you'll maybe, never know really. maybe elliot friedman will slide it into a 31 thoughts like I'm hearing yeah. that Rick Tockett was almost a coach, but it didn't happen because of money or whatever. Um, and we can go, yeah. oh my goodness. I think I, I think the dire- the plan will become more clear once we see what happens with the expansion draft. Yeah, um, for sure. Because yeah. Ron Francis, I'm, I'm sure, is that's all he's doing all day long is yeah. doing mocks and figuring out game planning of who might be available who might not be available it'll become a lot clearer when they get the lists Mm -hmm. and then they have that week to you know work through the lists but yeah they already know kind of who and they're work they're already working on the side deals we've talked about that before that they're asking prices for some side deals are a little high so rod francis has a plan yeah we're just we're (laughs) just seeing it unfold before our eyes so there are a couple steps ahead of us when we're talking about this, but this could end up working out great. This could end up being a horrible disaster. We have no idea. Yeah, we'll see. I think uh, them drafting second overall also helped define their plan a little bit. Yeah, probably. Sure. Um. So yes, Dave Haxtell, welcome to Seattle. Also, he has a yeah. beard now. I didn't. I wasn't expecting that whole like goatee situation. <laughs> I know. Beard. I saw the photo of him. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. expecting because I've always seen him like clean shaven, and I was like, yeah. Okay. What happened? Well, maybe it's like when you get like your breakup haircut or like you have a mental breakdown, dye your hair. Like maybe that's it's what his, like, he had to do. It's his like, uh, Leafs first round exit quarantine beard <laughs> situation. Yeah, he he has to reinvent himself. I respect it. <laughs> new team, new me. Um, <laughs> so true. <laughs> the other Kraken news that I'm really excited about is that oh yeah. <laughs> so JT Brown announced that he's officially retiring from hockey. Um, and he is joining the Kraken as John Forslund's color commentator. So excited about that. I am so excited about this. It's funny because this was announced before the Hackstall thing. So everyone's like, wow, all these great moves from the Kraken. They're going to be the most liked team in hockey. And then they hired Dave Hackstall and everyone kind of just like did a 180 and was like, oh, I don't know. But, uh, JT Brown is a wonderful person. And he's a great advocate for diversity in hockey. And he's very outspoken against racism in hockey. I believe he's the first player that ever did some form of action or, I guess, silent protest during the national anthem. I think, yeah, I heard that. When he he played for Tampa, he was holding up his fist during the Mm. anthem. And I don't quote me on this, but I believe there was a lot of backlash for it. He actually got sent down to the AHL afterwards. I remember that. Um, yeah. So he's been through a lot in his hockey career, and uh, I I think this is a great move for him to like still have a platform, but not be on the ice anymore. Mm-hmm. And the Kraken, especially with their efforts to 
like be conscious of intersectionality and, and diversity in the sport and try to do their part to platform diverse faces. Um, yeah. I think this is a great move for them. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say like inclusion and representation are the name of the game here. Um, I think that you can, and we've talked about this in the past about like Black History Month and Pride Month and hockey is for everyone month because we have to jam it all into one month. Thanks, NHL. Um, but you know, you can preach those things all you want. You can put rainbow logos on shirts all you want. But I think that we're really starting to see like what teams are putting their money where their mouth is and actually like hiring these people and giving these people a seat at the table rather than saying like, you're valid, we like you, but like not enough to work for us. Um, <laughs> and I, I really think that this move is like showing people, you know, obviously JT, he's a prominent force in the hockey world and he is talented and I'm sure he's going to be a great commentator commentator is that the yes, word yes color commentator yeah um i i was gonna say commenter and i don't know why um but aside from that i just think it's important that you know they are making representation a priority and you know we always say we want little kids to say oh like that person looks like me like i could be doing what they're doing if i wanted to you know they want to see that it's possible and yeah, I'm I'm just I'm very happy about that move. I think he's going to do a great job and I think it's it's just going to be a great thing to have yeah. that sort of representation, mm-hmm. that sort of inclusion. Yeah. So I'm very excited about that. I also think on the hockey side of things that he he was just in the NHL. Mm, I think the problem yeah. or like people's gripe with a lot of the the analysts and, and commentators in the sport right now, I mean aside from like Patrick Sharp cuz he also was recently <laughs> retired, but for the older players that like move into broadcasting, they look at hockey from a very different perspective because they look at it through the lens of like when they were playing. For sure, and the sport yeah. was so different then. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's always like complaints that people are like stuck in the stone age of hockey or whatever. JT's, I mean, I don't know JT personally, and like I don't know how he like views the sport, but I would think that he's going to provide a more modern, like fresh take on what's Mm -hmm. going on in these games which i think is important because for people who are trying especially if you're trying to build a new fan base you want people to understand how the game works now and how to look at a game the game from the 2021 perspective as opposed to like the 1980 perspective yeah Um, yeah i think think that's a i think that's a really good um kind i don't want to say opinion like that that's i think that's a really good way to kind of look at that uh, is having somebody who is very fresh off the game and like knows how everything is working, like knows the dynamics and like, we're not going to hear the same tired, like quotes over and over, you know, throughout the game, like for sure. Uh, yeah. So I think, I think having that guy who, who knows exactly, well, again, like you said, we don't know exactly how he feels about it, but it just based on his actions and kind of who he is, it, it seems like he will bring that fresh, like new perspective of like how the game works these days. And it's not all that like, oh, big body men doing, you know, the same thing. I don't yeah. even know where I was going with that. I had a sentence and then it just yeah. went out the window. But I, I kind of agree. I think he's going to bring a really fresh perspective. And, and especially, like you said, with a fan base, it's going to be very new. And I like, I don't know how big hockey is in seattle i know i know they have hockey over there yeah there's i don't a, know so how there's a, big it is yeah there's a whl team in seattle uh matt, right. matt Brazel actually played for them um the thunderbirds um mm-hmm. 
there is a rabid hockey fan base in Seattle. Um, mm. They actually like when the before the team was even like officially like bidding for expansion or whatever, there was a wait list for season tickets. Yeah, I, I thought I had remembered um, that. I just wasn't 100%. So they sure. do have a rabid fan base. It's not like Vegas where you're like bringing hockey to the desert and you're trying to like attract all these people who may have yes. never seen hockey a day in their life. Yeah. Um, that being said, though, it's still a new fresh fan team and a new fresh set of like a fresh market watching yeah. the sport. Mm-hmm. So you're always going to have people that may not know the sport that well. Yeah, in that situation. Um, so I like, like I said, I just and I just think it's a, a great step in the right direction, just for like setting a precedent for other markets. Because mm-hmm. um, you have like in Chicago, Pat Foley, their play by play person, is retiring at the end of this year after like almost forty years on camera, which is insane. That's so crazy. But you obviously have this new like generation of of broadcasters. That's the word uh, coming onto the scene, and so this kind of sets a precedent of okay, let's we're in this new era now. Some people are retiring. Some people are phasing out. Let's not go lean into our old ways. Let's start a new page, a new a new fresh perspective. So I hope. People follow like teams that have vacancies follow the Kraken suit. Hopefully, yeah. Bubbles. And then not to not to go too far off of that because speaking of like bringing in fresh guys yeah, like that, um, ESPN recently added Mark Messier. I know I was going analyst, to bring it up <laughs> as an analyst. I was going to bring um, it up. And what they have Gretzky as well. So I think I saw uh, someone TNT say they're Gretzky, actually. yeah, uh, they're like the new. That's kind of what I mean. Yeah. Just like guys like that. I think I saw something. It said they're just gonna reunite like the nineteen. Oh, it was like the nineteen eighty or something like Oilers. Yeah, it's like the bro. It's yeah. like the analyst for this new my, like, era. My devil's advocate to that is on a national <laughs> level, especially when you're starting a broadcast from like a broadcasting team from scratch, and you're trying yeah. to because especially for like TNT's sake, where most people that watch sports on TNT are basketball fans because they carry the yeah. they've been carrying the NBA. Because mm-hmm. I work at Bleacher Report, and our big plan is you want to our well, our game plan when approaching hockey now is we want to get our existing NBA audience to care about hockey. Yeah. So I think yeah. that's kind of what ESPN and TNT are doing. We want our because we're us dedicated fans. We're gonna watch it no matter what. Yeah. They want to get the casual fans that already watch ESPN and TNT that might be casual fans of hockey to really care about hockey. Mm-hmm. And that's when you bring in the names like, oh, I want to watch Wayne Gretzky talk about hockey. I want to watch Mark Messier talk about hockey yeah. because I know who that is. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh, no, it makes, yeah, it may, it makes total sense. It was just, it, to me, just the way we were talking about the whole thing. I know. Guy, it was just like, like ironic, but it, it makes total it is sense. Ironic. You, want, you want that name recognition that's going to get yeah, people I think, in the door. Yeah. I think on the national level, a mix is always good. That's why I like, when like Keith Jones is with Patrick Sharp on NBC because they mm-hmm. balance each other out a bit. You have the guy who just got out of the game to the guy who played in like the eighties and nineties. Um, so I think, I mean, and uh, ESPN's kind of doing it there. Uh, they had Leah, they brought Leah Hextall on to do uh, mm-hmm. part of the play by play, which is huge. 
And uh, from what I've heard, they've been talking to Kevin Weeks, which I think would be cool. He's mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. I love him on NHL Network. And he's just a uh, he's also a big advocate for diversity and things like that. So having him on a national stage would be awesome. Um, but it's all about balance. And I think when you have you obviously need, need to bring in people for name recognition. But at the same time, like, let's not go back to like when the dinosaurs were on the earth, please. <laughs> yeah. It was also the way I think we'd previously talked about Messi that it was just funny. To yeah. Me. I mean, I'm always going to have a soft spot for him because he's my dad's favorite player. He got the Rangers a cup and he seems by all accounts, a really nice guy. So I'm a, uh, I have a soft spot for him. I'm not as hard on him as some other people are, but uh, yeah, I'll be, I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm, su- I'm surprised that, uh Gretzky since they're very close what couldn't convince him to also come to TNT um <laughs> but I guess he wants to be his own his own star in his own right so congrats to him on the multi-year contract I'm sure the zeros on that check are going to be very nice um <laughs> now I wanted to I wanted to mention something else too for like advocacy and like bringing up important issues I don't know how much you guys have been following this but Stephen John's uh, from oh, yeah. the Dallas Stars. He is on, right now on a trip. I think he's in like South Dakota or something right now, maybe a little further west. But he mm-hmm. is driving slash rollerblading across the country. Uh, in And he's doing it for this hashtag mental miles. He is doing this in, because um, he also recently formally retired from hockey. He's uh, advocating for mental health awareness especially for men and uh the fact that like he basically had to retire because of the post-concussion effects that he's been suffering with and he i think it was either in the players tribune or in the athletic there's been a lot of in-depth um reporting about what he went through with his Mm -hmm. concussions and and how bad things really were for him and how his journey even going back to hockey for the brief period that he did um, how the journey there was really hard and he wasn't sure if he'd ever get to play again. Um, he's documenting the whole thing on social media. I believe someone's also following him with a video camera. So there will be some form of documentary, um, at some point, but I think it's so cool that he's doing this, um, that he's going around the country, just rollerblading slash driving and reaching out to people and show and trying to raise as much awareness as he can for mental health. I mean, especially for men, there's a, there's a stigma of you're, you're not supposed to have talk about your feelings. You're not supposed to have problems. You're supposed to be a tough manly man. And it really, and you know, mental, mental illness is no joke. So I'm Mm -hmm. uh, so like, I just, it makes me so happy that he's doing this and, uh, it seems like a lot of people are really joining in. He's always sharing like people who post on their Instagram story. Like I'm, I'm running around my neighborhood today for mental, mi- mental miles, or I got rollerblades and I'm rollerblading around for mental miles. So mm-hmm. I hope the support continues, not just because like it's fresh in everybody's mind, but I wanted to to talk about it because I think it's so freaking cool. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, he, he was always a player that like, I kind of had on my radar, but I know that, like, maybe not everyone else did. You know, he obviously wasn't, like, a star or anything. But I think it's cool that, like, he's using whatever platform that he does have to do something that's important to him. You know, maybe he can't play hockey anymore. He knows that uh, playing hockey wouldn't be, like, the smartest decision. So he's finding a way to, like, use that platform and use that passion for good. I think that's awesome. And, I mean, 
I think we've talked about like mental health and hockey in the NHL before and how it's not always treated the best. I don't know how I want to word that. It's just like you, you get like a couple hockey talks videos out of like the Canadian teams for Bell Let's Talk and like that's it. There's really not a lot of attention drawn mm. to it every year. So I definitely think that this is a step in the right direction. Is he, I don't, he's not directly affiliated with the NHL for this, is he? No, it's, 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 no this is on his, yeah. Right. So, I mean, hopefully, not that the NHL needs to be involved, but hopefully they'll take notice hopefully of it. They, and I hope they promote it in some way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's what I was trying to say is like, you know, give it. A bigger platform. Yeah, I guess, even if they just signal boosted, I think would be would be huge. Like yeah, one of his, because totally. he's documenting the whole thing on Twitter, Instagram, mm. and like I said, I yeah. believe someone's following him with a video camera as well. He, has I wouldn't be surprised by that. I yet. think it's a friend of his who's a documentary maker, uh, is working on him, working with him on it. Um, I, I he wrote a very long caption when he started, when he started the trip. And I believe mm. that was one of the things he mentioned that a friend of his who's a documentary filmmaker is coming with him. Yeah. Um, I think it would be great if that is a thing. And maybe if, if, if they release a full documentary, like I understand, but it'd be cool if they did like a docu-series. Well, series. Yeah, on, kind of following throughout yeah, the journey. You know, on some streaming platform or on YouTube or something, that'd be cool. Um, obviously, they're going to have to wait till it's done to like edit all the footage and everything, but... Um, I think it's super cool. And if he ends up uh, in a city near me, I'll probably go out and see him. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know he ain't going to be over here. <laughs> I know he's not coming Let me over find here, his so. Instagram so I can promote him really quick because I think Instagram is the best place to like yeah. see all of it. I would say, well, you, you do that, I'll kind of offer my – it's just going to be kind of a reiteration of what you guys have said about it. it. It's a really cool thing for him to do, like not even just for other people but for him himself. To kind mm. of have this outlet, have this way, you know, obviously things were really tough for him. And I, I remember the articles that came out. I don't think I read them in full, um, but kind of the things he went through. It. And obviously to suffer like a concussion in, in the first place is obviously, you know, the worst thing. But I think the the amount of time he had the symptoms was just like he had a really bad concussion from what mm-hmm. I remember so even being able to find a way to lift yourself up from that like knowing like I can't go back to the sport that I once loved or maybe I still love and just can't play anymore to find yeah. a way to be like I'm not gonna let this bring me down I'm gonna find a way to let other people know hey you know this happened to me but it doesn't mean it's the end of the world like I was able to pick myself back up and find something that makes me happy so I want to I want to share that with all of you, you know, maybe even if it helps one person find a way mm. to kind of bring themselves back or, or just helps them at all to know, Hey, I went through this, you know, you can, you can make it as well. Um, I think it's going to be a really big thing, even if it helps just one person figure it out. Yeah. So I found his Instagram on Instagram. He is S underscore Johns 28 J O H N S 28. Um, I would highly recommend that you follow him and just follow like his journey. And it's interesting because I, I was just scrolling through the comments and one girl said, or yeah, I believe it's a woman. Yeah. One woman said, I'm in the same boat car accident in 2016, had a neck injury, post concussion syndrome for almost two years, still in a battle with chronic pain, anxiety, and depression and a list of activities I'm never allowed to do again. 
have great days and tough days, but having new hobbies helps tremendously. We are in this together. Thank you for being so open. So already there's people who can like empathize with him and or or can relate to him because they're going they're going through a similar experience. I mean, as someone who has anxiety and depression, not because of a concussion, just I that's how my brain works. Um <laughs> I already feel like I can relate to him in in a in a small way, but but imagine how this is for people in hockey players and for just people in general who like that woman who had got no car accident, and they have someone on a platform that knows what it's like to have post concussion syndrome. I mean, yeah, it's not talked about a lot, especially for everyday nor like not athlete people. Yeah, um, because you don't think like oh like it can happen to them because like like life is dangerous you could have like i said a like this woman's had a car accident and your whole life's changed forever and it's not talked about that often so super cool good on steven uh s underscore john's 28 just follow his journey um like i said i believe he's in south dakota at the moment um but super cool and it, yeah he was in badlands national park which i think is in south dakota um but yeah, it looks like he has some some form of cameras with him, drone cameras, regular cameras. So super cool. Hopefully, uh, like a little, even just a small little documentary comes out of it afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Uh, for women's hockey news, uh, actual big news from the Toronto Six. They hired Hall of Famer Angela James. This was awesome. Yeah. As uh, an assistant coach. And yeah, everyone collectively lost their minds, including myself and Jen, I think. Um, oh, yeah. Yes. This is huge for them. People were saying that it is also, it is weird, though, that this is coming on, like, coming up, following the fact that Digit Murphy is still with the organization. So it's like one step forward, maybe a couple steps back. But it is yeah. super, super, super cool that this like hockey Canada legend is a part of the Toronto six organization. For sure. Um, I just want to add. So uh, for my like senior project that I did at my school, I did like a mini internship with the NWHL. And one of the projects that like I was really heavily involved with was like the black history month features that they did. Um, So we did one on Whitney Dove. We did one on Soraya Tinker. And the last one that we did was on Angela James. So I already knew that there was like, you know, I, I was working pretty much pretty heavily with the six, a little bit with the reverse um, in social media, but, you know, to see like how deep their admiration for her runs and to now have her like as a part of the organization, I think that's awesome. And once again, I, I kind of have the same thoughts as what we were saying about JT Brown, you know, um, representation and inclusion is the name of the game here. And the fact that it, um, little girls or little little people of color like it doesn't have to be girls I'm sure it'll be great for girls to see her in that role but just to see that you know hockey really it's still a predominantly white sport but to see that that's kind of fading out a little bit is cool for sure and I also just wanted to mention obviously the Digit Murphy stuff I've seen D.F. Pendries is the person that I've seen really pushing for um, just accountability and for this to be addressed. So shout out to them. Um, it's really just been nonstop from them on Twitter, which has been awesome. They actually tweeted two hours ago during pride month, the Toronto six have retweeted about donuts twice and pride month once. 
So that's a stat. Um, donuts are cool, but really not one we're happy with. Um, so I guess just we – I feel like we mention this every couple weeks, and it kind of sucks because I, like, don't want to have to keep mentioning it. But, you know, foot on the gas, people. Like, don't stop yelling at them about it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's about my thoughts. Very happy about Angela James, but there's still this very glaring issue. Yeah. And I mean, we we said when when Anya Bataglino was um, when it was announced that she was going to be part of the Rivers for the upcoming season, I remember us being like, "Oh, like we're really happy about this," but it feels like it's kind of covering up the Digit Murphy stuff. And now it's how many months later, and we're still saying, "Oh, I'm really happy about this," but I kind of feel like it's covering up the Digit Murphy stuff. So. I don't know. Those are my thoughts. I'm obviously very happy to have Angela James on board with the Toronto Six, but I'm also <laughs> feels kind of weird. Yeah. No, I agree. <laughs> and I I think to like piggyback off what you said about the pride stuff, I think every mm-hmm. team should do better with pride. June's oh, yeah. been I mean, June feel like it felt like it went by in a flash. I mean, mm-hmm. July is literally right around the corner. But <laughs> I've seen very, very little about pride from any professional sports team, period. And I think it's it's sad because, yes, I know that a lot of teams have their pride night and they talk about pride then, but that's one night and this is an entire month. And especially, I I said this last week, I think, if you're not in the playoffs, you have nothing else to do. As an org, you're not promoting games. You're not, you know, trying to cover off-season stuff because you can't really sign or make trades till every everything's said and done so why not spend june promoting pride not only just in general but anything in your area like i i wanted to like because we we were talking about the hurricanes and their post about pronouns and everything they mm-hmm. actually posted today uh, a graphic with a long list of local north carolina communities uh like uh groups that are not only um for lgbt but for just uh like human rights in general um most Mm. of them are for pride but there are some like black pride uh groups just general equality groups and they tweeted a whole graphic the canes are thankful for these north carolina organizations which continue to support celebrate and amplify the lgbtq plus community that's the simplest thing you can do Mm. you know why isn't every group, why isn't every team doing this? Every city in America, every state in the U.S. has groups like this. Yeah. They may, some might be small, some might be big. I mean, obviously the one, the groups in New York are going to have more members and maybe some more power than those in North Carolina or some Midwestern state. But it doesn't matter. Amplify their voices. You know, you have a platform, you can use it. So I... When you, when you talk about the six, like, oh, they retweeted about Dunkin' Donuts twice, but they're <laughs> only posting about Pride once. Yeah. It's a little icky. And I, I, I know For that sure. it's business and Dunkin' Donuts is a sponsor and money, but. But still. Still, you can. Social media is free. You don't, there's no limit on how much you can tweet. Just tweet about Pride, please. I know um, just just I, real quick before you, while, while we're on that topic, because I know you mentioned what the what the Hurricanes are doing. And I've been mm-hmm. seeing kind of some of the stuff the the Flyers have been doing as well. They have this series they've kind of been promoting for a couple months now um, called New Heights. 
Um, okay. I was trying to bring up the article about it, but when I click on it, it's like, oops, this page isn't found. Um, <laughs> like, the video, like, it still exists. It's like I was trying to get the, like, exact, like, definition of what they're doing. I know they're doing it for different, like, they did something for Black History Month. They've been doing stuff for Pride. Um, so I, I think kind of just their little series that they've been doing, they've been very big on kind of highlighting different voices around the community whether it be, you know, with the Black History Month stuff or whether it be, I, I know I've been seeing a lot of Pride stuff from them and I kind of wanted to highlight that series as well. Obviously, like you said, a, a lot of teams can be doing a lot more, so I don't want it to be like, a, oh, the Flyers are doing this, like that's good enough. It just kind of, I wanted to highlight that series no, as it's, well. it's good to highlight as, that stuff. As something that they've been doing. But yeah, like you said, teams could be doing a lot more. And I know I, I'm seeing a kind of a, a couple things being tweeted out today um mm. for i forget where it is i'm like so far on my twitter timeline right now um <laughs> that that a couple teams have been posting some stuff about pride today because i think it's yeah because the nhl i guess is celebrating nhl pride day today so not a couple sure. teams yeah that's why i'm like i don't want like i'm not gonna say that's like the biggest thing they they posted yeah. something of what does pride why does pride matter to you and it's yeah. a video and then share your lover story so i mean i hate like we don't want to say it's something because like yeah we want I mean, you to post something to start. but yeah. but you know at least start somewhere and then exactly. con but continue it don't just use this as a we're we just want the interactions today you know we're gonna post this hashtag and everyone share your stories like keep it going after the fact like don't just use this as a day to be yeah. like hey tell us tell us your story tell us this tell us that you know all the other teams like reply like oh you know we believe in this we believe in that. like follow it up after the fact and not yeah. just you know use it as a hashtag yeah i think yeah. i think there's a difference between like applauding the bare minimum and saying that's enough and applauding the bare minimum and saying, cool, now do more. Yeah, is, like, yeah. keep going, please. Yeah, this is a starting off point. Um, I think... Yeah, I I wish the NHL would do more to promote, like, this Flyer series, too. Because, Ariel, this is honestly, like, the first I'm hearing about it. Which is, like, bad. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. why I was trying to find the page where they, like, yeah. talked about it. So I could, like, give more information about, like, what exactly... And, like, all I find are, like just the videos about it. All right, we'll mm -hmm. say here's an article at least about what they're doing, what they're doing recently. Maybe that'll give me. Of course, if the page loads, that'd be fan freaking fantastic. <laughs> so I could at least give a little bit more information, but of course, I see I'm not going to get that. Cuz it's about like the episode that they just did recently cuz this was an article from like mid-May. Okay, here we go. So yeah, so, well, I guess it's only going to talk about this episode specifically, which was called Standing in Sight. It kind of featured, um, so they partnered with representatives from the William Way LGBT Community Center, You can and then You Can Play, and a couple a couple other organizations, just to, to give an eye on everything. But I know they're highlighting more than just um, the LGBTQ, um, I don't want to miss any other letter, uh, LGBTQ+. Plus um community i wanted to make sure i got that correct um they are highlighting like other things in the community but i know this is a really big topic right now so i, I think they've been kind of doing a big thing and they've had players involved also i know um van reemsteik and law and have been very involved in in this as well um i um because i saw they were part of the video as well 
Um, and I've seen a couple different things from them. I know they've been pretty involved in that community and in this project the Flyers are doing. Um, it would be nice, like you said, to see a, like the NHL or I don't know if they have or not. I don't think they have kind of like um, the word I can't think of, like shined a light on it. Um, I guess it's kind of where I go with it about mm-hmm. it. Like, um, but like I said, that's why I just wanted to bring it up just in case, like you said, people that didn't know, like you obviously didn't know it, it was a thing. So kind of getting an idea of some of the stuff they've been doing. Um, I, I think it's been really good to kind of put, I guess to like put a name on something or put a face to something I, I think has been really, really nice to see. Like I, I'll be honest. I, I'm not going to say like, I've been watching these videos, like, but I, I know they've been a thing and I, I've kind of seen a little bit about it. Like I've watched a little bit and I've seen a little bit of, of what they're doing, which is why I know that a couple of players have been involved in it. Um, But it, it would be nice like I mentioned with the NHL, like posting this, like don't just use that, like amplify what your other teams that are kind of promoting and are kind of yeah. shining a light on everything. Like be like, Hey, this isn't just about us trying to get hashtags and trying to get interactions. Like here's what our other teams are doing. You know, here's what Caroline is doing, you know, what, what they've, they've kind of been really involved in, in a lot of the um, inclusion and stuff like that. What they yeah. did, like what they did with the pronouns was, mm-hmm. was a really big thing. I think to see to see in the league and just kind of amplify what your teams are doing like so people can see like hey i don't see i don't even want to know where i want to go with that like the whole like they're doing something like it keeps coming back to that like you know we want to see that teams are doing something so amplify that show show people like hey this is what you're this is what this team is doing this is what this team is doing and like just be better like we say basically even that whole ramble (laughs) <laughs> that whole even somewhere even, <laughs> even just a simple retweet does something because yeah. the nhl yeah. league account has a bigger audience than the team accounts the yeah. team accounts exactly um, i don't want to take a hard right but we're talking we about- love it we love to take a hard right so <laughs> katie strang from the athletic i was gonna mention um this. yeah so yeah. katie strang from the athletic just posted an article herself mark lazarus who's on the uh blackhawks beat um and scott powers who's also on a part of the Athletic Chicago, the three of them teamed up to write a, a very, very in-depth article about these sexual assault allegations and lawsuit brought by former Blackhawks players um, against a video coach from 2010. So I was, I was uh, skimming the beginning of it because I wanted to see what we, what specific points were, were brought up, but um basically apparently everyone on the team knew yeah I, that, I that these players bit. had brought up yeah. allegations against the video coach um so apparently what happened was the players brought the co- told what happened to the skills coach Paul Vincent Vincent brought it to the team president general manager vp and mental skills coach don't know what that is um so he told the leadership group they need to file a report with the police in chicago then the leadership group didn't do that (laughs) i mean yeah they didn't report it to the police they didn't do anything about it then abruptly after they won the cup this video coach left the team no explanation of why yeah 
Then he went on to be a skills coach for a high school team. Mm. Where afterwards, it came out that he was doing things with some of the boys on that team. Mm. While the Blackhawks, when he went to that job, gave him positive reviews and a positive reference. And didn't warn them, hey, our players accused him of doing things he shouldn't have been doing. Yeah, I, I think well, it was so well then. Uh, yeah, and I think what was so like striking about this because I saw this when I woke up this morning and I figured we would talk about it, but the fact that like the headline or the quote or whatever was like all the guys knew, everyone on the team knew, and it's like, mm. yeah. And I actually I had retweeted um, Ann Tokarski is um, she's a great follow for women's sports and just for uh, sports in general. She works for the Ice Garden, which is SB Nation's women's hockey blog. Um, She's working with the Chicago Cougars hockey and the USPHL. Um, She's great. Love her. Um, the, The point is, she quoted Katie Strang's tweet, and she said, every single person who knew and helped cover this up needs to answer for the devastation they've caused and enabled every single person. And I agree with that. I think, like, in the in the spirit of accountability, I feel like a lot of people, and this is a completely other tangent, so I will try not to get too deep into it, but I feel like a lot of people will be like, oh, cancel culture, like, me, me, me. But I don't, I don't see it as canceling someone. It's, it's holding them accountable. Like Mm -hmm. I personally am not trying to cancel quote unquote, um like this video coach but they need to be held accountable whatever that means whether that's in a legal way whether that's I don't know I don't know what that is but they just need to be held accountable and it's not about ruining someone's life or anything but it's just when somebody does something like this I mean they need to answer for when it you, and they haven't when you sexually assault minors your your life should be ruined I mean yeah yeah sure, I think I- I think that's a big thing that you bring up, Jen, is the concept of cancel culture. Like, this isn't like, again, quote unquote, canceling something for just saying something like rude or like, yeah, you know, yeah. this is like yeah. holding someone accountable for like serious, serious like stuff like crimes. He yeah, he didn't like, yeah, what crimes. he did was illegal. Like, it's not he didn't just oh say the wrong thing or, or do something that's like, uh, like, I don't even know the word. Like, yeah, he didn't, he didn't like. S- he didn't say something sexually inappropriate. He didn't. Like, he did something sexually inappropriate. Yeah, he, well, you know. Yeah, it's not like he was running around making inappropriate jokes or whatever, and someone took yeah. it the wrong way or however, like, whatever people associate with, yeah. like, cancel culture. This is mm. like he committed a crime, and they're trying, and, like, it was actively covered up, and he was allowed to commit more crimes because it wasn't properly taken care of in the first place. Yeah. That's and completely the, different. Yeah, and the fact that it, like... I mean, it's wrong in any aspect. Like, I want to say that first before I continue with what I say. So it's not, like, kind of spun the wrong way. He went from, like, an NHL organization to, like, even younger kids. Yeah. Which just Mm. makes it even worse that it wasn't handled. Like, like, obviously, it's awful that it had to happen to anyone in this instance. Um, And especially guys at that level who who you would imagine would think by, like, I don't even. I'm, like, kind of losing the train of thought there. So I'm just going to pivot off of that because I don't know where I was. But I understand what you're saying. The fact that yeah. like he was doing this to grown ass adults and that and then they're like, eh, whatever. And then they let him go near children. 
yeah, knowing like, his like, behavioral pattern. Yeah, like basically like letting him go to kids who like, well, I what was it, high school? Yeah, um, it was like U18. Like, but like still going to kids who like don't necessarily like, like might think differently than like these got like these grown men are like oh like it's my fault like it's i'm not doing the right thing i I don't know how how old you know well i i think it was brave of the nhl players to speak up oh absolutely i think Mm -hmm. i think adults are more likely to immediately report that than a child that because children are because you're a child children are right children are taught to trust authority and that adults are always right when it's an adult to another adult, there's more not not to like say like oh the like every adult that experiences sexual assault is more like is like going to report it or should report it or because mm-hmm. they should know better or whatever. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is just in general, when it's adult to adult, like what happened in this situation, they immediately reported it. Yeah, a little kid might not even know what's happening is wrong. Yeah, that's kind exactly. of that's kind of what I so, what I meant in that aspect. Yeah, yeah, there's a there's a different power dynamic there. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um, but what I thought was interesting was Nick Boynton, who's one of the only players that I've seen named in this whole situation. He he was uh they asked for a comment. He said uh that they trusted this skills coach. Of course. Who, yeah. After cuz Vincent approached the the skills coach Vincent, he he approached the team and said we're taking care of it. I'm taking it to leadership. We know this has been reported. Everyone knows this has been reported. Like, you do not have to worry about it. They're on a Stanley Cup run, so they're obviously trying to get them to focus on that instead of mm-hmm. what's happening behind the scenes in the locker room. So Nick Boynton said that they trusted Vincent to handle it appropriately because Vincent was previously in law enforcement, which is probably why he said to the leadership group, hey, you should, you need to take this to the police, and then they didn't. Um, he said... I trust Vincent over the front office. He's a stand-up guy. So apparently the player, I mean, not to like take accountability away from the players, but if I'm on a team and someone says to me, and they were previously a, uh, in law enforcement and they say to me, hey, I know that this was reported. I'm going to the leadership group and saying, you need to take this to the cops. I have no reason not to trust him. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I I mean, yes, yeah. it sucks that the, the players knew what was happening but how much power do the players have at that point especially when they're being told by the leadership group we we got this don't worry we know what's happening we're gonna take care of it yeah i think that that's kind of an yeah kind of an important thing to note is yeah they say everybody knew but you as a player when you hear something like that especially from someone at that point in you know you trust you you trust him when he says he's gonna do this and they're gonna do that and yeah, the cup run obviously it does have something to do with it. Like you want to put your focus on that. So I don't, because I know I've seen a lot of reaction to the whole like, oh, the players knew. But like you said, the players in that position may not necessarily have as much power to do something than like your leadership group should have had. Like obviously has way more power, and the fact that it was brought to them and they're just like, okay, yeah, like and moving on. We're trying to win a cup. Yep, they, and then they got him away from the org saying, like, basically, not our problem. We'll give him glowing reviews so he leaves our, our program. It's not on our hands anymore, and he's going to go volunteer and work with children. Um, one of the Blackhawks players on the team, I don't know if it was Boynton or one other uh, one other person I, I've just been skimming, but it says that it doesn't bother me. They let him take pictures with the cup, all, talking about Aldrich. When they won the cup, they let him 
take pictures with the cup and everything, knowing that he assaulted two of the players on the team. He said, what bothers me is they fired him, but they didn't take it to the cops. They let him get a job with a U18 team. They let him go work with minors. They let this happen. Yeah. That's basically, I think, the sticking point here is that. Yeah. Yes, they fired him, which is like taking care of it on their end, I guess, quote unquote. But how do you answer to the children who were assaulted afterwards who could have which could have been prevented and the parents of those kids who were assaulted yeah that's if i'm stan bowman or mcdonough or anyone else in the front office of the blackhawks organization i'm thinking to myself like how do how do i sleep at night knowing that i allowed a man to hurt children when i when it could have yeah not gone that way it's really gross, guys. Really gross. And I feel horrible for the two victims involved because they're just trying to get their own individual piece and, like, get a resolution to their story. And now it's just being turned into an expose of the Blackhawks organization. Yeah. Yeah. Sigh. Deep sigh. I don't, I don't want to dwell on it because it's – I mean, we've said – We've talked about this ad nauseum, I think. I feel like every week when there's a development, we talk about this. We talk about it and it goes in circles about how mm. hockey culture needs to change. How it's just awful. How it's yeah. awful and hockey culture needs to change. And and top to bottom, there needs to be an investigation. I mean, this guy passed numerous background checks. Which shouldn't happen. But it's Which fine. is, yeah, a whole other thing in, in it. So it's just frustrating. I mean, I feel bad for my friends who are Blackhawks fans because I if this was going on with my organization, I don't know how I would like be able to like support them anymore. I, I'm sure this is a big conflict internally for Blackhawks fans of like it's, like, it's like you... a do I like still support the org because like a few bad people don't speak for the entire history of the organization and like the guys still went out there and won those cups like yeah mm-hmm. I don't know it's it's tough and I, I feel bad for like the moral conflict that some fans are gonna have to go through um and especially since with the age of the internet I'm sure people are gonna come at them like how dare you still be a Blackhawks fan when they did XYZ like how can you still support them <laughs> like I don't know. The internet's a bad place. Bad, bad place. Um, but yeah, I think we'll, we'll, I mean, unless you guys have something else to say, I feel like we can put it to rest there. Yeah. No, I think yeah. we've kind of, we've kind of gone through it all. Big, sad. Um, hopefully there's some sort of legal resolution. Um, and then I know that some people involved in the situation are declining to comment probably because the legal proceedings are still ongoing. So I'm sure once the legal proceedings are over, there's going to be more that comes out about this or names will be named or whatever it might be, but it's just a story that I'm sure won't go away anytime soon. Um, It's depressing. I don't know how to segue from this. Um, Segway. Segway. Woo. Um, Okay, we're done. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the the only other news uh, around is about awards, but I mean, everything's, I mean, everything seems irrelevant now compared to that. Um, anything else anyone would like to add before we wrap up? Um, I don't think yeah. anything in particular. Cool. I didn't. Look up, <laughs> I didn't look up trivia this week, so my bad. 
Um, that's no, okay. You're good. We'll I, I think week. that's kind of. I, I don't want to say a good way to like end no, it. No, I think but it's. A, if, I think this. Is it's a good hard to like. Yeah, go after that and kind yeah. of segue into anything. So I think ending on that is pretty. Yep, and we've already. It's an hour and fifth. We're an hour and fifteen minutes in. So it's been a good. It's been a good episode. A lot of healthy discussion about things that are important. Um. So yeah, if you guys like what you heard, you can follow us on social media at Pucker Up Sports. On every social platform, we are at Pucker Up Sports. Uh, you can follow us for more episodes. You can watch, listen to previous episodes. We appreciate the sport. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.